Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message is an Easter special by Trevor Baker and is called The Power of the Cross. We are excited about our upcoming Revival Legacy Gathering from the 27th to the 29th of April with special guest speaker Lillian DeFin, who is Smith Wigglesworth's great-granddaughter, and Lester Summerall, who is Lester Summerall's grandson. Please visit our website to register your place today. There is no registration fee required. www.revivalfires.org.uk Well, it's great being here on this Thursday night celebrating, I believe, the most glorious time in history when Jesus was preparing to take on the powers of darkness and to destroy every power that would stand against us, that he made a public show of them so that we could know what it is to walk in freedom and that also he went to the cross in order to shed his blood so that we could know his awesome forgiveness. Isn't that great? And, uh, and I just believe that this evening we're going to finish. I'm going to tell you where we're going to finish up and then I'll get us there. And we're going to finish up, we're going to break bread together tonight. And, uh, and I do believe that as you um, take the bread and take the wine tonight, I do believe that God is going to so supernaturally touch your lives in a powerful way. And, um, you know, if we could just get hold of the truth of Passover and get hold of the truth of what Jesus brought to us, that we could walk out of here totally healed, totally set free, that we could walk out of here where the enemy would no longer come against us. And even if he did come against us, we would know what it is to walk into complete victory. You know, and victory doesn't mean that we're going to be successful. You know, you've only got to look at the, um, the uh, news on Sunday as people were celebrating Palm Sunday and as they were celebrating, so churches were being blown up and Christians were being killed. But you see, they were still walking in victory because of the resurrected Lord Jesus. They still had a hope that goes beyond this life and sees him as the hope of the world. And so you start to see, when we talk about walking in victory, it's talking about walking in victory in our own personal lives, victory over sin and victory over every demonic scheme that the enemy would have in order to keep us in a place of bondage. See, I, and as the enemy comes at us, I believe that we can know his all-surpassing grace. You know, those people who were killed were still worshipping as the bombs went off and were worshipping after the bombs went off because of his all-surpassing grace. They knew a joy that this world knows nothing about, that no other religion knows anything about. But they knew a joy and that joy was undefeatable. Yeah. And I believe tonight, as we come, we're celebrating a glorious fact in history. I read the news last week, or I was reading an article last week, and it said that 25% of people, 25% of all Christians don't believe in resurrection. If they don't believe in resurrection, they're not Christians. Because the whole Christian message is founded upon the truth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead that we have the ability to become new creations. Hallelujah. The old gets passed away and the new comes into being. Not when we die but now. We can live in a new creation state of existence. Hallelujah. See I love this Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. You know and as we, as we look at the power of the cross, the message of the cross. Let me just tell you what the Bible says about this cross and, um, and the power of it. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it says here, For Christ, the wisdom and the power of God. That's who Jesus is. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. You see, here we have, but for those who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. Hallelujah. Tell somebody that you embrace the cross. Because it's the power of God. Demonstrating his love to me. You see, we're not talking about a power that annihilates. We're talking about a power that attracts. Hallelujah. See, the power of the cross is attractive. It is like a magnet. It is like a light to a moth. It just draws. And I believe God tonight wants to draw us ever closer to that glory of his presence found in the Lord Jesus. You know, we were praying earlier, and as we were praying, a newsflash came through. Listen, this is why we come to celebrate. A newsflash came through, and it says that America has dropped the mother of all bombs on Afghan um, Afghanistan. And... Um, and it says that America has dropped the biggest non-nuclear warhead on Afghanistan. It contained 11 tons of explosives. See, that's what happens when powers rise up against powers. See, that's what happens when the kingdoms of this world are against the kingdom of God. See, that's when you start to see the kingdoms of this world are in turmoil. When you see the powers of this world. And I couldn't care less whether it is the power of ISIS or whether it is the power of the United States of America. It is still a power that is being used in order to control and dominate other people. I believe that the power of the cross liberates people. I believe that the cross of Christ is the only power that can the love of God in it that far surpasses 11 tons of explosives that can bring the most hardened heart to know a Lord Jesus Christ and knowing him can be totally transformed totally made new that is the power of the cross hallelujah and I believe as Christians that we have the power of God's love working in us because of the cross of Jesus. See, the message is the message of the cross. It has never lost its power. It still remains the most powerful force in the earth today. Not in order to dominate, but in order to attract people so that they are liberated and as liberated slaves, they can then bow down in complete submission to the one who did it all for them. Amen? See, that's our God tonight. That's the one who comes to save. That was the God who broke into time and eternity. Listen to this. When we start talking about the message of the cross, you see, it's greater than any power. And I don't know about you, but there will be Christians, sad I think, that there will be Christians today that are saying it's about time that America stepped in. It's about time that we started to take control over some of these uncontrollable nations. And there will be those who will be gloating and gleeing over, well, at least we've got a president who is doing something. Well, let me tell you, it is still the powers of this world. And listen, when you have powers rising against power, that's what they do. Listen, I believe that God wants a church that is counter-cultural to this world. Jesus said himself, we are not of this world. We are of another world. And that world is the kingdom of God that breaks into this world. And as it breaks into this world, the power of God's kingdom, which is his healing, redemptive justice. And listen, don't start thinking that God is up there going to whack all these nations with a big stick. God's healing, redemptive justice is this. He redeems us from the curse. He redeems every situation. He can redeem individuals as well as he can redeem nations. Hallelujah. And this nation needs his redeeming justice. Why? Because what God does, he brings about his healing 
power into every area of injustice. See, that's what God's healing redemptive justice is. It brings healing into all of the pain. It brings healing into all of the brokenness because God turns things around. See, isn't that what repentance is? God turning things around. And he can turn nations around as well as individuals around. Hallelujah. Do you know my Bible says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The uttermost parts as your possession. See, that isn't about control. That is about asking that Jesus gets his just reward. Where the nations, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. You see, the power of the cross has no bounds to it. It has no limitations to it. It can cause nations to be changed, nations to be saved, it says, in a day. If I could just ask the people who've got children, can you stop them running around, just keep them with you for the rest of the time, because I don't want to be distracted tonight. I've got a great message for people here, and I don't want to be distracted by children. So if you could just have them there, that would be great. And I know it's long for children to come in, and when they come in, to be sitting still for an hour or an hour and a half, you know you need to understand when your child has had enough you need to take them home and put them to bed okay that would be really good that's also redeeming healing justice too for the children and uh, I know that if I was a little boy at that age being in a meeting like this with somebody speaking for three parts of an hour to an hour I think I would be my mom and dad's worst nightmare you know, so um, let's just also help the children too. And so here, listen to what Jesus says to Pilate. And um, Pilate says to him, don't you realize, keep, keep in your mind that the cross is the power of God unto salvation. And, G and Pilate in John chapter 19 says these words, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me. You, know, you can say you've got power. You've got power to set me free. Or you've got power to hold me in captivity. It says here, to free you or to crucify you. I mean, that's a powerful person. Wouldn't you say that? If somebody was looking at you and say, don't you know I have power? I have power to set you free and I have power to crucify you. And Jesus turned around and said to him, he didn't even say, I'm sorry. He's, he answered and said, you would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of the greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. It's like, what do I do with this person? I don't know what to do with it. He's, I've just told him I've got all power, and he turns around to me and tells me I've got no power. Wow. Because he knew the power of the cross. And then they go on and they say, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat in the place of the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is called Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover week. That is like this night going on to Good Friday. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked, and they said, we have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered, finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. You see, what was happening here, the powers of this world was coming against the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the end, they thought that the powers of this world had won. See, Caesar, Caesar was a demigod. Caesar was a, divin, a divine human being. That's how the Romans looked at him. They saw him as the embodiment of their God. 
And so they were saying, we have no God apart from Caesar. His coin was on everything. His face, his image was everywhere. And to say that you now were powerful and that Caesar was not powerful, that deserved crucifixion. And not only that, but it was the most heinous of all types of um, execution. It was saved only for slaves and for people who committed treason. That was the only time crucifixion was ever used. And so here, Jesus goes as the servant of all servants, and he goes to the cross as the king of all kings, because he is taking his rightful place. See, I believe that if we could get hold of just something of this message of the cross and bring it down from the global down into the personal. See, what about you? Well, it comes into the personal way in John chapter 13. That's what I want to read to you now. But you need to keep this wonderful truth of this power of all powers. And that is it's being confronted by this message of the cross to those who are perishing it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, I want you to still understand that God's power is still available to you because of what Jesus did at the cross. And it says it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Hallelujah. You know, there comes a point when Jesus wants to show his disciples the full extent of his love. He wants to show you tonight the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. You see these words coming in. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after he poured water in the basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not know now what I am doing, but you will know afterwards. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean through, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not every one of you is clean and when he had finished washing their feet he put on his clothes again and returned to his place don't you understand or don't you know what I've done for you he asked them you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is who I am now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you should also wash one another's feet I've set you an example that you should do as I have done I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a master greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You know, in that passage, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times Jesus uses the word know. He wants them to know something. And in all of this knowledge that Jesus has, it means to ascertain something. The knowledge that's talked about here is called adio. And it means to ascertain certain things. Jesus knew that his time had come. And uh, for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. And here, it's to ascertain by observing facts or by a series of events. And so here, Jesus was coming up to all these series of events. And he, was, he knew that something now was going to happen. He was standing in this intersection between heaven and earth that night. 
there was a point where Jesus was at this intersection and it was an intersection of heaven and earth but it was an intersection of our intersection too where we would access that realm of heaven and that is bring the kingdom of heaven down into this realm that we call the world and here Jesus knew by the events that he'd gone through but also it's to um also become skilled by knowledge you know as and when somebody uses a particular material just like um, a craftsman uses a particular material and he becomes skilled he has a knowledge of how to use the material or to become skilled by repetition and the whole thing with Jesus, the, if you look at his life, he just had this repetition of loving people, loving the unloved. And so now he's come to this point where, gone through, where he's gone through all of the events in his life, loving the outcast, loving the one that no one else loves, going to the one that no one else would go to. And now he comes to a point with his disciples where he's now, through this repetition of expressing his love to them, he now comes to show them the full extent of his love. Also, it's to know by inspecting or analyzing a certain um, thing, so where we examine something. And so here you see something of the, the life that Jesus had lived and how he had come to this point. And I, I believe that he wants you and I to know tonight that there is a love that he has been working on your life. There is a skill of his hand where he has been fashioning you and he wants you to come into a greater revelation, a greater knowledge tonight of his love. And in that greater knowledge of his love, he is going to not examine you in order to sift you like wheat. That's what Satan does. But he is going to be in a place where he is looking over your life and he knows that he is going to do all that you need in order to stand in that place where you are, as we heard last week, the delight of the Father where you are delightful to your heavenly father. And so here, what he does in this passage, he demonstrates his love, and it's the love of a new covenant. And what does that new covenant do? Listen to this. This is what it does. This is what he is seeking to show them in his love tonight, and what he wants you to come into and it says in Colossians, there's these two events, forgiveness of sins and the defeat of the enemy. God wants you to know that the full extent of his love is to, is to release forgiveness and cleansing over your sin, but it's also to bring you into a place where the enemy no longer has power over your life. And you see him doing it in this upper room on this night prior to going to the cross and I'm going to show you that this evening you know what I'm sharing with you I've been I've just been uh, meditating studying reading all around this glorious truth of the cross for the last four months I've never preached it once I'm preaching it tonight so you're going to try and get it I'm going to try and put it into the condensed form you know so that when you leave here you can water it down yourself and um you know, it might be a little bit more palatable. Somebody here um, tonight, I, I just, I was feeling just a little bit sort of fatigued, and somebody came up to my office, and they had this um, this um, bottle of something. I don't know what it was, but they told me that it's full of vitamins and uh, energy boosters, and you only need a teaspoon of it. I said, what does it taste like? They said, it tastes real good. And, uh, and I had it. And I tell you what, it is a booster. <laughs> and uh, I think it needs watering down a little. But you see here, 
Um, it says, when you were dead in your sins, this is Colossians 2, verse 13. I believe this captures the whole of the message of tonight. So if you walk away from here with this tonight, you'd have walked away with more than enough. And he says, when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code that stood against us with its regulations and, the, and stood opposed to us. And he took it away, nailing it to the cross. See, that's the old covenant. That's the old covenant of works. That's the old covenant where if you did certain things you would enter into a relationship with God. But God says that there was a new covenant coming. That was just to expose the sinfulness of our heart. It had nothing more to do with that. It was it was absolutely devoid of changing us. It's all it was, it was like a mirror that as we looked in, we would see what we hadn't become, we would see where we'd missed the mark. And where we'd missed the mark, he would then show us the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we looked at him, he would mirror to us what we have become in him. No longer a works covenant, but a covenant of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It didn't say God so wanted us to work at our salvation that he gave us the law. It said God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten or his only delightful son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. That's what we have. And so here, he takes away our sin by taking all the regulations, everything that stood against us, and he nails it to the cross. So that we can walk away from the cross, no longer having anything that shows up our sin. So we're not into a moralistic humanity. Listen, I don't want you to go away from here tonight thinking that you've got to do something just to be pleasing to God. Jesus did it all or he did nothing at all. Hallelujah. And so here, he doesn't want us to become moralistic. He doesn't want us to become those who take the moral high ground. Jesus never once took the moral high ground. But he did live as the delightful son of God. And because the father delighted in him and he delighted in the father, you could not find any sin in him. That's what Pilate said. I find nothing worthy of death. I don't find any sin in this man. I've inspected him. I find nothing worthy of death. Can you see? And so here... It says that it stood opposed, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So there is a twofold application of the cross tonight. There is our sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Our sins are forgiven. There is nothing that stands against you or me in God's presence if we have turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, but there is no demon in hell that can have power over your life because you have become a worshipper of the true living God. Hallelujah. We give you praise and worship tonight, Lord. That is the truth. And if you take nothing else away from here tonight, let me tell you, that is enough to keep you for the rest of your life walking in victory and walking in holiness of lifestyle. Hallelujah. And so here, when it says this, He's forgiven our sins and he's defeated every power that stands against us. Hallelujah. And how we need to have the powers of this world broken down once again. As I've said to you earlier, 
just the use of power on another nation is not going to make anything right. It will just cause the other power that's being had power exerted on it rise up in power again. Let me tell you, I believe that we need the power of God's love breaking into this world. It needs to break into our lives. And so here, what does Christ do? You see, he demonstrates his love in the new covenant, but also he demonstrates his power. A new king has been raised up, and his throne is a cross. And his and as he is lifted up on the cross, he says, I'm going to draw all men unto me. You see, Christ's coronation was on the cross. It's added an inscription that says, this is the king of the Jews. And it was written in every known language. So that we too were there at the cross. And if we, it says, and when I am lifted up, I'm going to draw all men unto me. Listen, there is nothing in us that can stop the draw of the cross. Did you know that? There is nothing that you come through in life that can stop you being drawn by the power of the cross. Not only that, not even death can stop the draw of the power of the cross of Jesus. It has mighty power. And it's the demonstration of God's power. That just like it says, he forgave us our sins according to the scriptures. Not according to anything else. And we need to get back to understanding the way that God has forgiven us according to the scriptures. Not according to some religious ritual. Not according to some church doctrine. But according to the scriptures. God forgave us according to the scriptures. Jesus was raised to life according to the scriptures. And we need to know what the scriptures say about those two things. And I'm talking about forgiveness. He says, where, O death, is your sting? Where, O grave, is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the grave, but thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Give him praise tonight. He is worthy of it. Thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love those statements of fact, don't you? I love it that my faith can rest upon statements of fact. Hallelujah. And so here tonight, the powers are being broken. He defeated the anti-God. The one that stands opposed to everything that God is. He defeats the anti-creation. The ones that tries, tries, those who try to exploit and use every resource just to make them more powerful. He destroyed the anti-human. Anything that causes humanity to become inhuman. In the sex trade, in the and poverty, you name it, in the addictions, you name it, even in, even in the exploitation in terms of power, in terms of money, and in terms of sex, all of those things that is anti-human, the way that we treat other human beings. You see, that is not the way that Jesus treats us. And in all of this, you see, this Christ Jesus... He comes and he strips them all of their borrowed robes. Let me tell you, every king, every kingdom of this world is all they're wearing is a borrowed robe and a hollow crown. And one day they will be stripped of them, just like he stripped them at the cross. One day it will be their turn in reality to be stripped of their borrowed robes, rob them of their hollow crowns. Why? Because he is the king yes. of the whole earth. Yes. Hallelujah. And you see, in that he demonstrates the power in forgiveness. 
Do you remember when Jesus met the man who'd been lowered down through the roof? You see, broken humanity, that's all that is, didn't have the power and the ability to get there himself. His four friends had to carry him. When they got to the house, they couldn't get in because of the crowd. And so now they walk, got up onto the roof and they were dropped down. As they dropped him down, what does Jesus say? What does he say to him? Forgiveness. And he says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now that seems crazy to a person who needs to be able to walk. But you see, the one thing that stops a person coming into the presence of God is sin. That's the one thing. Your sin has separated you from your God. And so here what Jesus is saying is the one thing that can remove sin is forgiveness. And the, the way that forgiveness works, you only have to read a Passover. Passover is where um, Pharaoh's exploitation of a people and they're groaning under the burden of sin and slavery. And as they groan under it, God hears and he sends a deliverer. And he says that when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. I'm going to pass over so that death and destruction doesn't come near you. And listen, God gave the same invitation to everyone in Egypt. Is all they had to do was to go into the house of an Israelite. And if they were to go in and plead the blood of Jesus or plead the blood over the doorposts and the lintels, they would have also come out into freedom. Can you see? God gave an invitation to all. And so it isn't just for a few, it's for all. And so here, the message of forgiveness, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And they say, who's got power to forgive sins? And he says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. The greatest power that stands against us. I say to you, rise up and walk. You see, what was he doing? He was doing this. He was releasing the inner power of forgiveness. And as he releases the inner power of forgiveness, the outer power which caused a man's legs to be made strong so he was no longer a cripple also begins to work in his life. It says when the people of Israel came out, you see that's why forgiveness is so important. That's why we need to get hold of the message of forgiveness. Because it says in Psalm 105 verse 37, it says these words, when the people came out of Egypt, there wasn't one sick, there wasn't one um, halt, um, halting person, and, they, and when they came out, they came out laden with silver and gold. And so here, poverty wasn't on them. You see, it's all God did in one night. You see, they hadn't been paid wages for 400 years. Did you know that? They were slaves for 400 years. They had hard taskmasters. They just eked out enough to live. And so on one night is all God did. You see, this is how we need to start to see things. On the night when they came out, it says they plundered the Egyptians. Well, really what is all they were doing is they were just asking for their 400 years wages. Do you understand? That's all they were doing. What the enemy had withheld from them, God was going to make it come back to them. And I believe that we need to start seeing the power of forgiveness in those terms. Listen, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about making you rich so that you can buy more stuff. I'm talking about you becoming rich so that the power of the message of the cross can be made known and our whole value system in terms of finance changes, changes completely. Well, it's not about what I can get, but it's what about I can give so that other people can know the message of this saving 
cross of Jesus Christ that has so much power for their forgiveness and they so much power to release them from every demonic force that would hold them in bondage. And so here, that's what, that's what Passover was all about. And as they came out, they came out forgiven and they came out free. Hallelujah. See, God wants you to come out forgiven and he wants you to come out free. See, whatever the enemy has done, I believe that God can say, enough is enough. I have power on earth to forgive sins. And so that you may know that, I'm saying to the cripple, rise up and walk. You see, it deals with sin and it deals with all the idolatries and the injustice that has been handed to the powers and the authorities. And here, Jesus demonstrates this power of forgiveness and he looses their grip over us. Wouldn't you like to have sin's grip loose from off you tonight? See, that's what the cross is all about. It's not about you trying to live a moral, upright life. It's about you living the life that Jesus gave his life for. And that life is so that you can be set free from the power of sin and from the written code of the law. Are you telling me, Trevor, that you're saying that I can live out of outside of the law I can lead a lawless life no I'm not I'm telling you that you can live a life of by the law of love and the law of love has done everything for you and who wouldn't then want to lay down their lives and take up their cross for the one who went to the cross for them and so the whole lifestyle is not about moralistic it's about being free to come into God's presence as worshippers where we worship him in spirit and in truth where our lives we are holy because he is holy it's not trying to be holy he has imparted to us the divine nature hallelujah so we now walk by the spirit why because we are the delightful sons of God hallelujah God is delighted in you forgiveness causes God to be delighted in you that you become the delighted of the father hallelujah and out of that, when you know the Father's delight, let me tell you, you will do anything to please the Father. And even when you fail, it doesn't stop His delight being directed towards you. Why? Because we have an advocate whose name is Jesus. And what He did 2,000 years ago will count for all eternity. And we have become new creations. We're already living in that new creation of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. This is what Passover is all about. This is what the cross is all about. It's about coming into forgiveness and coming into freedom. The demonstration of Jesus' love. You see, with Jesus, he identifies with idolaters. He identifies with the unjust. He identifies with the weak. He identifies with the foolish. He identifies with the drunkard. He identifies with the prostitute. He identifies with those who have been exploited. And he is the one. Because he is seen going to endless parties. In order to be the friend of sinners. Hallelujah. Don't you love a God like this? Who makes himself known to us in the Lord Jesus. Who, a Jesus who when everybody says he's going into the house of sinners. He drinks because John didn't drink. And they say that Jesus he's a glutton. He's a friend of wine bibbers. He's the friend of publicans and sinners. He's the friend of the demonic who they can't even control him because the power of the enemy so working breaks every human constraint that they try to bring on him. But when Jesus turns up, he says, what have you to do with me, Jesus? And Jesus says, be quiet and come out of him. 
He didn't need five sessions of deliverance. He didn't need 12 hours of counseling. His all he needed was a look from the eyes of Jesus and a word from his mouth that says, be quiet and come out. And with that, the man was seated, clothed in his right mind. See, that's this Jesus who has power to forgive and power to free. That's what Passover is all about. That's what we're going to celebrate in a moment. And so here, he's seen in the endless parties and at the place where the thieves are crucified together with him on Golgotha. You see, here, he is our friend in every situation. He comes, he comes to those who no one else will go to. When the, man, when the thief says to him, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? What does Jesus say today? It's not about tomorrow. I once had a friend who's Irish and used to go around telling people about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and he would say, do you know like we would say if you died today, where would you be tomorrow? And... Um, I mean, he would just have this phrase. And, um, and so he would say, like, where, if you were to die tonight, where would you be tomorrow? And, and you know, the whole thing is, you know, for us, with Jesus, there is no time delay. For him, he says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And listen, when he said today, that was before the resurrection. See, his power is limitless. His power goes into every situation. You see, that man needed to know today. Not tomorrow, he needed to know today. Today you will be with me. He didn't say, well, when I'm resurrected in three days' time, you're going to be there with me. That would be no good to him. He needed to know today what was going to be the end result of his life. And Jesus says, today you will be with me. See, that's the demonstration of the love of Jesus. Here, his substitution as the one bearing the sins of many was not, because he did. He was a substitute. And he bore the sins of many, but his substitution, it wasn't from a works covenant. What do I mean by this? And listen, this is what the church has believed in for so long. But I believe that God is refocusing and changing our view of what the cross did. You see, if we have a works covenant, it means this, that we have an angry God. We have a God who is wrathful, a God who wants to punish sin. And so with that, what he does, he finds one who's sinless in order that he can punish. You see, and that's part of the works. You see, sin is transferred onto Jesus, who is the perfect sacrifice, who there is no sin in him. And so now our sin, this is the works covenant, our sin is transferred to him. And so with him, you see now Christ is punished for our sin. And because he is punished for our sin, then his righteousness somehow is taken from him and given to us. That all has to do with works. And that was an old covenant of works that sin had to be punished. But you see, I want you to get hold of the fact that today we're talking about a covenant of Christ's vocation, Christ's life on the earth. You see, Jesus Christ didn't come to be the sacrificial punishment or the sacrificial lamb which the Father would punish. He came as the co and a covenant of vocation. That was his calling, and that was to reveal to us the love of the Father. He came to reveal to us the power of forgiveness. 
He came as a cover. He came in that as a substitute in order to reveal to us the calling of God of a people, the calling, the covenant vocation as a human being, the covenant vocation as Jesus, who would save people from their sins. And so here, see, so often we've looked at it, haven't we? That our sin is imputed to Jesus, and His righteousness is imputed to us. Now that is a truth, but you have to take out the fact that God was punishing Jesus at the cross for me and for you. God was demonstrating His love to the powers of darkness. That his love was far superior and he could set the captive free. Oh sin, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your sting? Oh, oh grave, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin or the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the law was nailed to the cross. Everything that stood against us, all the legal regulations was nailed to the cross. All the powers of darkness was defeated at the cross. And so here on this night when Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room, and in that room, you start to see he's no longer in the temple, but he is revealing something in what he's revealing to them that he is the true temple. See, Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And so now in this upper room, we just turn there just as I finish. In this upper room, it says that the devil had already prompted Jesus Iscariot to betray Jesus. And yet here, Jesus was now showing them the full extent of his love. And what does he do? He cleanses their feet. And he says to them, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part in me. Here, he was speaking to them this glorious truth of forgiveness. And also, as he releases forgiveness, the powers of darkness are not gathered as in the first place at the temple. Do you remember in John? John has this wonderful way of opening up to us temple truth, as I would say. You see, the first thing Jesus, you see him in the temple, and that's what he says in chapter 3. He's in the temple and he's cleaning out all of those who are selling um, in like a marketplace he says you've made my father's house like a marketplace and they looked at him and they said zeal for his father's house has consumed him and then he says to them you destroyed this temple and I'm going to raise it again in three days and so here he was confronting all those powers of darkness in the temple he's going to confront them at the cross but here here in this room, the upper room, he is doing it in a microcosm. He is doing it in such a small way that I think we can often miss what he was doing here. Because you see, as he starts to wash his disciples' feet, what happens? But Satan enters into Judas Iscariot, so Judas is also there as well. And at that moment, it says Satan entered into Judas. And it was at that point in the others that Judas goes out from them. And it says, and it was night. And so here is what you have is the coming together of these two events. Here in the upper room, there was a sacred space. There was a shared life. See, he washed his disciples' feet. And he says, if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part in me. So he wanted them to share his life. And so forgiveness is where we share the life of Jesus. That's where it is. But also, it's the place where he, the servant, becomes king. And in that place of servant king, he releases forgiveness because he is king and he can grant pardon to whom he wants to pardon. And with that, he brings forgiveness to his people. And at that, 
in this upper room there is a victory over the powers of darkness. As soon as Jesus, his love is revealed, so also Satan has entered into the life of Judas Iscariot. And so here, life, love will always attract the powers of darkness, but love always triumphs over every power, just like it triumphed here. And after he'd left, Jesus then goes to them and tells them all about what he was doing, what this meal was going to represent for them. What does he do in the upper room with his disciples? He will do for the whole world on Golgotha at Calvary. You see, he is cleansing them and he is delivering them from the powers of darkness. When Judas has gone out now, he is in a place where his love is unfettered for his disciples. See, I believe as we go into this time where we're celebrating the Passover, for many in the church, we call it Easter. I would rather call it Passover because Easter is a pagan feast and, and so much of paganism has come into the church, which I won't go through tonight. But you see, we need to get back. It's Passover and on the night of Passover, this night, when he was betrayed into the hands of wicked men, who would take him then to Pilate and release the power of all powers against him at the cross. But here, you see, Jesus is dealing with the power that had entered into Judas Iscariot. And in that, you see, Judas goes out and Jesus now begins to allow his disciples to enter into the fullness of the new covenant. That is what couldn't have happened before. Do you remember at the Passover when Jesus gives them the sop? That was the piece of the meal. The African, it was his called. It was made up of dates, honey, and apples, and it was put upon the, um, the bread and, um, of the supper. What's the, what's the word? The, the matzah of the supper. And when it was given... When it says, and he gave the sop to Judas, you saved that particular part of the feast to give that part of the bread to your most um, closest and your most beloved friend. And so here, he was, as he passed it to Judas Iscariot, he was saying to Judas, Judas, there is still opportunity for you to come into this close relationship with me. He could have easily given it to John or James or Peter, but he chose to offer it to Judas Iscariot. And it says, and when Judas took the sop, he went out and it was night. And at that point, he had refused to receive the advances of the love of Jesus. Did you know the only restriction on God's love for me and for you is ourselves? We are the only restrictors of his love. And just like Judas, he went out and it was night. And then Jesus took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is now the covenant where you receive forgiveness and you receive. And they would have understood Passover both of forgiveness and both in terms of freedom from slavery and from every demigod and power of the enemy. It would set them free from every idol that had ever sought to gain their worship in order to bring them into captivity. And so for us tonight, you see, I believe that as we go into these next few days, I want to leave you with those thoughts. I want to leave you with the thoughts that everything that stood against you, all the sin that stood against you has been nailed to the cross that you have forgiveness through his blood. Also, I want you to know as you go out of here that there is no power in hell 
that can stop you walking in victory because of the power of the demonstration of God's love that was made known to us at the cross. Listen, as you come to take the cup and take the bread this evening, whatever it is in your life that you need freedom in, I want you that as you take it, I want you to receive his forgiveness and receive his freedom. That as you go out of here tonight, just like he said, that we can feast upon his body, his body which was broken for us. We can drink of the new covenant in his blood. And so we remember his death. Do you know what his death meant? Forgiveness and freedom. We remember his death until he come. Not in some morbid, you know, gloom of looking at what happened to him at the cross. Listen, I want you to know tonight, Jesus is not on a cross. He's on a throne in his Father's presence. We come to the throne room of God. But you see, we remember the cross because of what it did for us. We remember his death until he comes because in his death we receive forgiveness in his, from everything that stood against us and all the handwriting and the regulations that was against us or stood opposed to us. And he defeated powers and authorities triumphing over them making a public spectacle over them at the cross when they thought that they were making the spectacle of Jesus at the cross Jesus had turned it around and he says no this is your day of being made a spectacle this is my day of being lifted up and coronated as king the inscription that's there says who I am I am king of the Jews but I'm also king of all those who would allow me to have rule over their lives you know what the the Jews said we will we have no king but Caesar but to everyone who would say we have Jesus as our king he comes to rule and reign over them with his love hallelujah why don't you all stand tonight that is the power, the message of the cross. It's the power of God for our salvation. You know, and, uh, and Jesus invites us tonight. It was on this night that Jesus was breaking bread with his disciples. The day before the preparation. And, uh, and at that point, this is what was happening. And, and as we come to that place, you see, so often we, we look at the Passover and with Jesus, it was already, it was already done by then. And so he takes his, the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat it, all of you. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death until I come. We remember the freedom and the forgiveness that we have tonight. How are we going to break bread tonight? And listen, if you've got a physical need, that you need God to bring healing into your body, you've got an area of your life that you need to break free from, I don't know what that is. I've said enough tonight for you to identify with areas where the enemy takes control over our lives. And you're wanting to walk in a place of freedom. See, I believe tonight that this meal has power to bring freedom into your life. And you can come tonight and as you come and you take the cup, it says that when they left Egypt, there wasn't one sick or faltering person amongst them. And when they went out, they went out laden with silver and gold. Listen, as I said earlier, they just got paid the 400 years wages that hadn't been paid to them. We have had people in our church here 
that have had money withheld from them, contracts where they never got paid. We've had people and as they have taken communion, they have had wages and contracts paid back to them that they didn't have. Why? Because they had faith to believe that the cross had power to break the enemy's power to withhold what was rightfully ours and rightfully theirs. See, I believe that's true for you tonight. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to come and I think there's enough space we could make one big line all the way around the front. I'm not going to pray in that sense for anyone tonight. I want you to feast on the presence of Jesus. I said, just come on down to the front. Just line up down here. And listen, if you've got areas in your life of sin, this is the feast that you come to to have it removed. You know, someone once came to me and said, you know, Trevor, I feel so unworthy. I saw that they hadn't taken communion. And I went up to them at the end and uh, I said to them, I see that you didn't take communion tonight. And they said, no, that's right. Um, I didn't feel worthy to come and take communion. And um, I said to them, I said, so the next time I see you coming to take communion, that means that you're worthy to take it. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. I said to them, I said, listen, the reason we come is because we're not worthy. But he is worthy. See, that's the reason you come tonight. And if there is sin in your life, just ask God to forgive you. That's all you have to do. It says if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us.